0: Thank you.
1: Good afternoon. It's Wednesday, April 5th at 1232 in the East Coast. And welcome to another edition of the TDN Writers Room Podcast. My name is Bill Finley, and I'm a correspondent for the Thoroughbred Daily News. also host the Down the Stretch show on Sirius XM Radio. Tune us in on Saturday mornings, Channel 8510 Eastern.
2: Hi, Bill. Hi, Zoe. I'm Randy Moss with uh, NBC Sports.
3: Zoe Cabman here with First Racing. I'm, I'm missing Doodle. He's ha- he's having a meltdown. I shaved his tail. I put a cone on him yesterday, so he's not happy. So if you see him running around here, I, I don't know what's got into him. But there we go. I'm, I'm missing my site.
1: But of course, we can always we can always count on Lucy to be she's, a part of the show. She's and she's as uh, vi- vigorous and uh, feisty <laughs> as ever. I see there, Randy. She um, is still not out. sure that dog's actually. I'm not sure the dog is actually alive, but, anyways, all right. So, lots to talk about, obviously, at that time of year with all the Triple Crown, So Let's go back to the major race of last weekend, or, or one of a couple of major races uh, was the Florida Derby. And, you know, I, I saw somebody um, uh, showed a split screen of the race and Micropoli, and as this unfolding, <laughs> and you see this look of concern on his face. He looks like he wants to die. And then all of a sudden, he kind of brains a little bit, and then he, he just, it's like a sense of relief. And, you know, what do you make of Forte's Florida Derby? That, that's the question everybody's asking. People said he had a bad trip. I don't think he had a bad trip at all. Uh, I think Gerard Ortiz did a very good job, matter of fact, working out a decent trip from the 11 post. But on the turn, when Mage blew by him, you wouldn't give him any chance to have won this race. Reminds me a little bit about what we said about the other pletcher horse, Caput Trice. In the tampa bay derby but lo and behold at the finish line he's the winner last 16th of a mile he put his head down and dug in and got the job done um i don't think any less of him after this race but randy i don't think any more of him after this race i like this fountain of youth better to be honest with you but he's a deserving favorite for the kentucky derby we'll see what happens this weekend he's an awfully good horse that's my take
2: yeah it's it's an interesting race to try to analyze going forward to the Kentucky Derby if you could put a lie detector on Luis Saez I think he was probably just as concerned as Mike Rapoli at about the 5 16th pole when Mage blew his doors off there around the turn and I don't buy the notion that Irad Ortiz was just sitting there with a handful of horse playing possum because if you watch him he was riding Forte from the time they got into the turn uh, all the way through the finish I'm not saying he was in a drive but he was not sitting there under a hold right I mean Mays just had a better turn of foot around the turn than Forte did. There are reasons to be um, encouraged, I guess, and there I think there are reasons to be discouraged uh, looking ahead to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, reasons to be encouraged. I, I thought he held serve. Uh, I agree with you that visually it might not have been quite as impressive as it was in the Fountain of Youth uh, where he showed a little bit more of a, of a, you know, flash of brilliance when he darted around those horses at the top of the stretch and quickly opened up. Buyer's speed figure went down a titch from 98 to 95. That doesn't bother me at all because of the trip. You, you, you know, you can't just take a number completely out of context with how the race was run. Uh, in the Fountain of Youth, Forte was two wide around the turns. Uh, in, the, in the Florida Derby, because of the post position, he was roughly three wide. Around both turns, which was a victory considering his number eleven post. Um, what not to like? I to me he's he was a grinder in the Florida Derby, as opposed to Maze, you showed that quick turn of foot. He just grounded out, and yeah, he finished with a nice final furlong and final sixteenth to get the job done. But in the Kentucky Derby, oftentimes to hit those holes, riders need horses that are a little more, a little more handy and not so much of a grinder as uh, as forte was um and even though yeah you can make the case look if you knew nothing about these horses going in nothing at all and you watched the florida derby and it was the fifth race on friday at gulfstream park you would come away from that race thinking that mage was the better horse you would i mean mage broke slowly again Uh, made what might have been a premature move. I'm not so sure about that, but five wide, four to five wide around the turn, uh, and then ran out of gas in the final eighth of a mile. Uh, Maybe Mage doesn't want to go that far. Maybe he doesn't want a mile and an eighth, and maybe Forte just capitalized on that in the last part of the race. I don't know. Uh, But the way Forte finished in relation to Mage was impressive, but by the clock, Especially compared to the Arkansas Derby we're gonna talk about later. Uh I have some some cause for concern about Forte going for And
3: I think you hit the nail on the head. That was exactly how I was gonna explain it. If you didn't know who the two horses were and you watched the race visually, you would have said that Mage was the better horse. He he was last down the backside. You know, Forte was in front of him. That move he made at the 3-8 pole was turf like. He showed a turn of foot that I've not seen. In any derby horse, maybe the horse of Coxes that that actually won the Arkansas Derby, maybe that that would be the same kind of turn of foot. But Major's visually in, impressive. What I took from Forte was that he did show some grit and determination, but my biggest concern yes. would be, did it gut him? That was a tough race. I know everyone said he pricked his ears at the wire and there was more in the tank, but that's exactly what you're supposed to say. If you're in the fort camp, I don't know. I want to see him bucking, kicking and squealing and just knocking the shed row down going into the first Saturday of May because I've seen, there were a couple of pictures of him laying down in the stall. Now, I don't know if he lay down for three days. I would have laid down for a week if that was me running like Forte in the Florida Derby. I think he laid it all out there. And I'm hoping it wasn't his Kentucky Derby because he ran too hard to lose and he didn't lose but I I don't know I mean that's that was a tough race on him maybe on the first and the second place ho- finishes I I don't know but visually I would definitely take Mage and as Randy said maybe Mage has distance limitations but he's also you know he's not as experienced you know maybe he thought the finish pole was the 16th pole maybe he idled a bit I I don't know but it was uh a puzzling race for me, especially the final time that we're gonna get into as well. Yeah.
1: I mean go ahead, Randy. Well,
2: I when you look ahead now to the Kentucky Derby, yeah, we think Mays ran a really good race as you know in, in relation to Forte. And you can make the case that Mays ran a better race than Forte. Forte probably deserves to be the Kentucky Derby oh, yeah. favorite just because of his consistency and his body of work. Um, Even though Mage ran so well in the Florida Derby, look, he's had three lifetime starts. The first start, a one mile maiden race, he hesitated at the start. And he ran up quickly and was on the pace anyway. Second start in the Fountain of Youth, he broke into the side of the gate. In the Florida Derby, again, he hesitated at the start. He's three for three now in that category. You can't expect him to do anything different in the Kentucky Derby. And if he again breaks sluggishly in the Kentucky Derby in a twenty horse field, he's in a world of trouble. So even though he might have looked as good as Forte, all things considered, in Florida, when you you know, play it forward to the Kentucky Derby, it's very difficult to uh, to think that Mage will run as well as Forte, given that.
1: All right, guys, we need to calm down a little bit about Mage. I love this race too, but Forte beat him two in a row in here, so you know where are they all going to become traverse time we'll, we'll find out but um yeah he, he obviously ran a, a very good race but just just take it easy here a little bit okay all right now Randy the other story and we've talked about this before and it just it it just makes me cringe and you are uh, you know you're the guy who's always on top of these things they got the time wrong of the race and you know it was about uh uh nearly a second as you pointed out you had to change the buyer figure um you know, I'm going to make the same point that I've made in print, that I've made talking on this show. How is this possible that this sport in 2023 can't tie a goddamn horse race? How difficult is that? And, and why do we not have these problems in other sports? It makes the sport seem amateurs to me. And somebody's got to figure this out and fix this. But anyways, why don't you tell us the story of what happened here
2: <laughs> with Connie? Well, look, this is going to surprise you. I, I'm not that negative about what happened with the final time in the Florida Derby. It, it, let me ex- briefly explain that, right? Uh, Gulfstream Park has gone to wireless beams for their final times, uh, as opposed to the GPS uh, that GMAX uses at some other places, right? That has proven to be very faulty. And the beams have been performing exceptionally well throughout the Gulfstream Park meeting they've been yielding accurate times at Gulfstream when you have a photo eye beam whether it's at Naira or Churchill Downs or Gulfstream or anywhere that has a malfunction like this it almost it's almost 100 100- with 100% certainty that what happened is somehow some way the beam got tripped before the horses hit the finish line uh, it can be caused by a variety of different by birds, by uh, someone in the way, someone with an arm in the way. Uh, then there's no head-on replay, unfortunately, which is amazing by itself, of the Florida Derby to be able to look and see if anybody was standing around the outside rail about where the beam is. You see this happen from time to time everywhere. Uh, in the Breeders' Cup Classic last year, when Epicenter was injured on the backstretch, the outrider, who was way up by the half mile pole, uh, took off. On the outside rail to try to attend to epicenter and he tripped the beam for, that screwed up the six furlong fraction you know stuff like that happens to me the bigger problem at gulfstream park is that all the fractional times are still got, timed by gps and they're all bad right and, uh but the final time this was just a one-off this was just an unfortunate uh incident that could happen anywhere uh within with a uh, a working beam that just gets tripped early um and I'm glad, I'm glad we caught it. And I'm glad uh, Craig Mulkowski and David Aragona deserve a lot of credit for catching it. And I'm glad that it was officially changed without a beef.
3: The TDN Writers' Room is brought to you by Keeneland. Last September, we witnessed an unprecedented energy, magic, and momentum with the highest grossing auction in Keeneland history. And this year, it all returns at the September yearling sale. Entry deadline is May the 1st. Learn more at theworldyearlingsale.com. We'll be right back after this message from Keeneland. If this place could talk,
2: it would roar. It would say, this is a racing, this beating heart in the heart of horse country. Steady and strong beneath the roar
3: reminding us why for the love of the horse for generations to come it was just put
4: together like a machine and he had a great mind everything about him was what you'd want tis the law pops the court in the champagne tis the law is gonna win the first
0: leg of the triple crown
4: i've never seen him get tired
0: respect the law tis the law
1: his structure is just perfect his bone is perfect He's left the others behind. He's going to win the run, Happy Travers. He's everything you he would look for in a horse.
3: The TDN Writers' Room is brought to you by Coolmore. Coolmore Sire Classic Empire became the first of third crop sires to get a grade one winner this weekend when Angel of Empire emulated his sire with a dominant win in the grade one Arkansas Derby. Classic Empire is second on the Derby Point's leaderboards with 154 behind only Forte. And Uncle Mo's hot streak continues. His daughter, Falconette, won her second stakes rate of the year in Sunday's top flight stakes at Aqueduct.
1: Well, the other big race over the weekend besides the Florida Derby was, of course, the Arkansas Derby. We're going to talk to Brad Cox a little bit later in the podcast as he's this week's Green Group Guest of the Week. He, of course, is the trainer of Angel of Empire, the winner of the Arkansas Derby by four and one quarter lengths. Well, we know that Forte is, quote unquote, the horse to beat in the Kentucky Derby, despite some of the things we said about his Florida Derby not being great. But uh, unless something really crazy happens this weekend, he'll be the favorite in the uh, Kentucky Derby. But who is number two on everybody's list? And I think we now have a clear number two. I mean, Angel of Empire. Look really good winning this race for Brad Cox. He won by four and a quarter lengths. And, you know, this is just a horse that's in good form, is getting better all the time, is obviously in the right hands. Can he win the Kentucky Derby? Absolutely he can. I mean, maybe even if if Forte runs his A race, I I wouldn't think it's out of the question that Angel of Empire could beat him. Um, Some of the other storylines the Arkansas Derby, I thought, were that uh, a couple other horses that were uh, highly regarded contenders for the Kentucky Derby they might make the derby, but they kind of ran themselves out of, of, of the picture so far as the top horses. He had King Russell at 58 to 1, was second. Reincarnate, who had that tough trip in the Rebel Stakes, he was kind of a blah third. Rocket Can, who won the Holy Bull and was second behind uh, Forte in the founding. He was kind of a blah fourth. And Red Rocket won, uh, even with the blinkers on, showed was up to his old tricks. He was a million miles behind and uh, closed just for six. So I don't see uh, anybody coming out of the Arkansas Derby as a major Kentucky Derby threat, other than Angel of Empire. But lots to like about his race, Randy.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I was I was very impressed with it. And Zoe, I know I know you were too. You've already talked a little bit about uh, about Angel of Empire. You really like it as much as Bill.
3: Yeah, I mean his his final time was terrific, and he showed just the right turn of foot, and he's tactical enough to where he's not going to be sitting last at, in the final flight of horses i think that Flavian knows him well enough now he can put him just about anywhere he wants so he's going to have a tough decision but as we know there's there's always going to be horses falling by the wayside where how many what six weeks away now i don't even know but things are going to happen it's going to be jockey changes all over the place and jockey you know merry-go-round it really is But I thought his race was fantastic. And and how about Blaine? broodmare sire of him, and also the sire of Wet Paint, who took down the fantasy. So a huge weekend for him.
1: Zoe, I've got a question for you as well. We're going to talk to Brad Cox a little bit later about the jockey situation. Flavian Pratt happens a lot with top jockeys this time of year, has got some um, tough, uh, tough decisions to make. He rides Angel of Empire. He also rides King's Barn, Louisiana Derby winner for Todd Pletcher. You're an old jockey. What would you have done? What are you going to do with those two horses? And I know you're going to wait to the last possible minute, but if <laughs> Brad Cox says, Zoe, I need an answer now, who are you going to ride in the Kentucky Derby? Who is it?
3: Uh, well, I mean, ideally you do need to wait to the last minute for all the reasons I just stated. But I I think, I think I'm think i going with the Arkansas Derby winner, honestly. Mm-hmm. That, Ran- that Randy's me- nodding in an agreement. And, you know, we still have go rocket ride to go forward in the Santa Anita Derby that that he rides and was just a bang up second in the prep for that. But if I was Flavian right now today and it was next week and had to make a decision, most definitely. I would go with that horse
2: i mean kings barnes obviously looked really good in the louisiana derby but he did have the benefit of an uncontested early lead and very soft fractions which you know is not going to happen in the kentucky derby doesn't mean he doesn't have to have the lead but when you're looking to me if i was Flavian pratt's agent you got to look at all these things to try to make a decision uh and i would totally would pick right now angelo empire over kings barnes go rock and ride pratt also rides in the Santa anita derby we'll see how he runs like i was super impressed with angel of empire and the way he won when you look at the breakdown of of, of sectional times 16th of a mile by 16th of a mile on the uh, on the on the equibase uh, charts what you'll see is that uh, forte ran faster down the backstretch at almost every point and early on the second turn than angel of empire did and then when the fields roughly hit a about the 3-8's pole to the 5-16's pole, it completely turned around. And Angel of Empire finished up substantially faster than Forte did in the Florida Derby. Now, when you look at data like this, especially as it pertains to the Arkansas Derby, there's one thing you always have to keep in mind. And a lot of people don't know this. The stretch run at Oaklawn Park is slightly downhill. So you're always going to have, all things being equal, slightly faster closing fractions at Oakland than you will at Gulfstream Park. But in this case, the difference was substantial between Angel of Empire and Forte, more than just the downhill stretch would influence. So that's why right now, uh, between the two, I prefer Angel of Empire for the Kentucky Derby over Forte. And there's, a, there's another part of that as well. Forte, in his numbers, looks like he has not moved forward from his two-year-old form. It looks like he's kind of keeping on the same level, right? Where Angel of of Empire continues to improve with every race. And I think he's got still more improvement left in him when they stretch him out to a mile and a quarter, given his running style and the way he finished in Arkansas uh, when they get to the Kentucky Derby. I thought he was an outstanding race. And you can also make the case that the field that he beat in Arkansas – with reincarnate the winner I guess it was the Sham Stakes uh Rocket Can who was second to Forte uh in the Holy Bull. uh Red Root One who had had a couple of really nice stretch runs that the Arkansas Derby field was deeper than the Florida Derby field and Angel of Empire made it look uh, pretty bad
3: Gosh, we're never getting Todd Pletcher on here again we're trying to steal his jockey off of Kings (laughs) Barnes You don't know, like Forte. I'm like, the chances of getting Todd Fletcher on here again are going to be slim enough. I'm sorry, Todd. And I hope your horse is, like, bucking and kicking in the shed row today.
2: Trainers yeah. take to- that personally way too often, don't they? <laughs> when, we, when we say that we like horse A over yeah. horse B, a trainer of horse uh, B will sometimes be like, you personally insulted them because you- uh-huh. it's handicapping. It's, it has nothing to do with the, with, you know, the people.
1: Yeah, and knowing Todd Pletcher, I don't think he's going to get too, no. he's not a man that gets bent out of shape about too many things. No. So I think he'll take this in stride. So the other big story at Oakland over the weekend, now I've had the thankless job of doing the TDN's Kentucky Oaks countdown. And I've been writing this damn thing since January, and I'm just dying for somebody to do something to get excited about. I can make it clear, number one, it finally happened. Wet paint, she was knocking on the door. She ran really strong race in the fantasy. Again, we're going to hear from Brad Cox a little bit later. Paul thinks it was her first ever race on a fast dirt track, um, which is just, I, I don't think that was something she had to prove, but it's just kind of an interesting footnote to the race. Um, we'll see what happens this weekend, particularly in the Ashland where Wonder Wheel, uh, we'll see if she can bounce back from her defeat uh, to the immortal Dreaming of Snow in the Suncoast Stakes way back in February at Tampa Bay Downs. But Randy, I finally found my number one. It took me till April uh, 1st to find the thing. But I got one finally, wet paint. She's number one.
2: Oh, she looked really good. She looked really good in the fantasy. And, and kind of like Angel of Empire from the Cox Barn, she's looking a little bit better every mm-hmm. time she runs, right? I mean, I guess there was some question of her going into the fantasy uh, simply because her two most recent races uh, with the same running style way back in the pack, and a huge stretch run were on sloppy racing surfaces. And yes... You know slop favors speed more than it favors to come from behind her and she won anyway but there was always that little nagging question would she be as good on a fast track as she was on a wet track and she certainly answered that question in the fantasy she's not poetry in motion right uh she um, she swings out pretty badly with her left front she's got a paddling action uh you know doesn't look smooth at all when you watch her run down the lane until you look at how fast she's going in relation to the horses around her, then she looks a whole lot better, right?
3: Yeah, she's terrific. She was just – I enjoyed watching that race. It was just poetry in motion for me. I don't care how she moves. She moves a lot quicker than the rest of them. So wet, wet paint definitely moving forward unless, you know, we have a monster come out of the Santa Anita Oaks this weekend, and it's, it's proven to be a pretty good field.
1: So, Randy, you're from Mr. Hot Springs, and, um, you know, it's, it's not a new story, but it's still something to me that's so remarkable in this day and age. Um, you know, not to pick on poor aqueduct, but will there be 2,000 people there for the Wood Memorial on Saturday? I'd set the over under at 2,000, I might bet the under on that. And, you know, we, we have these pockets of, of, uh, racing where people turn out Del Mar, Saratoga, et cetera. But Oakland Park, how do they keep doing this? 65,000 people um at the arkansas derby and they showed the picture of the apron i saw somewhere you would have thought it was 1939 based on you know the the mass of humanity there and you know hey they deserve all the credit in the world they do a great job but you know what is it about this and they get good attendance throughout the meet but what how is this phenomenon existing in a day and age where nobody goes to the racetrack anymore, or seemingly nobody goes to the racetrack anymore.
2: Yeah, it it is remarkable. There are, yeah, I was born and raised there. And uh, it's been this way for a long time, right? I mean, back in the, I remember back in the the late 1970s, early 1980s, uh, the New York Times sent Steve Chris to Oakland to report on the Oakland phenomenon. Uh, Sports Illustrated sent Bill Leggett to Oakland Park to report on the Oakland phenomenon. And it's it's still going strong. I mean, the crowds are, believe it or not, are not as high now as they used to be in the mid nineteen eighties. But when you can get sixty five thousand people at the track on Arkansas Derby Day in twenty twenty three, compared to uh, you know what Santa even Santa Anita is going to get for the Santa Anita Derby, it it is pretty remarkable. I think there's a couple of main reasons for it, among others. Uh, Number one is that for decades now uh when we go when you go back to the to the 70s there was no competition for oakland park in the geographic area around hot springs you'd have to go all the way south to new orleans all the way west to el paso all the way east maybe to latonia which was running then. that's what it was called north to chicago This is huge gap in the middle of the country before simulcasting when if you wanted to bet on the horses you had to go to oakland park and texas the oil boom was big and all the texas uh, oil men wanted to gamble and it was just a flock to oakland park and they became accustomed to coming to hot springs to go to the races and had a good time coming to oakland and i think i think you're uh, you're you're still you're still seeing remnants of that um on track is just it's 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 fun to go to the races in Hot springs and people really like it
3: you know i'll put it this way It really is the only game in town. I know Gary Stevens spent a few winters there. His first winter there as a jocks agent. It it was like he was uh, a Hall of Famer once more in the prime of his riding because Gary couldn't go anywhere without signing autographs and just had an absolutely amazing time. So it truly is the only game in town. People live, breathe, and eat and sleep horse racing in Arkansas. Spending a couple of winters there, I can attest to the fact it is the only game in town.
1: Yeah, terrific job uh, by everybody involved. Hey, let's find out what's going on at Santa Anita. It's Zoe Cabman's weekly segment, First Things First.
3: From Saudi, Dubai, to Santa Anita, it seems like the Japanese horses are Everywhere, Mandarin Hero is the first one to run in the Santa Anita Derby. I'm gonna find out just how good he is. Mandarin Hero, Polygon Wave,
1: Mandarin Hero, Mandarin Hero, Bowling. Tell me about the work. Well, the train I wanted just nice and easy and the stretch out. I'm trying to not going to too fast. It's kind of like a 53, 55. That's the Japanese style, and he's. I feel like okay and just handling well.
3: On Thursday, you're going to breeze him out the gate? Yeah,
1: from the gate. He's like a Japanese style to, I would say might be a little slow at the beginning and uh, we'll check how fruit from the gate and just try to get hustle and try to stay on the yeah race.
3: How exciting is it for you to ride the first Japanese horse to ever run in the Santa Anita Derby? I'm really proud of the
1: opportunity and just, you know, Especially the David's going to be a little bit small you. In Japan, it's going to be always like a 12, 14, 15 horses, so that horse should be more feeling like easier and more comfortable from the lake. Yeah, less horses, less traffic. Yeah. yeah. Easier for you, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, you, good luck. Thank you. He already work? 53 and 3, no track
3: records broken, but he will go on Thursday and break out of the gate liking what i see from mandarin hero cool
4: calm
3: and collected join us this weekend at santa anita park at new post time on saturday and sunday will be 12 p.m and bring your own shoes and join in the derby day 5k We'll watch some of the best horses compete in the Santa Anita Derby and the Santa Anita Oaks. Horse players will love the mandatory pick six payout, which is expected to exceed $3 million. And this weekend is just not for the grown ups. Bring the kids for the spring carnival and Sunday's Easter egg hunt.
2: The TDN Riders Room is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association, the PHBA. And guess who is a Pennsylvania bred? That's right, Angel of Empire. The Arkansas Derby winner who now is second on the points list for the Kentucky Derby only to Forte with 154 points and what is it about the Arkansas Derby and Pennsylvania breads it's been 19 years since Smarty Jones won the Arkansas Derby as well perhaps the best known Pennsylvania bread of all time Angel of Empire was bred by Forgotten Land Investment Incorporated and Black Diamond Equine corporation in pennsylvania good things happen when you breed in pennsylvania for more information visit www.pabread.com here in pennsylvania we're proud of our breeding program the best in north america but we're also proud to be leaders in this industry the pa horse breeders association is funding cutting-edge research at Penn vet to detect gene doping in thoroughbreds and we endorsed the safe act to help protect the most vulnerable horses Plus, we're pleased to support the aftercare programs set up by our horseman's groups. Just a few of the reasons why you should join us in Pennsylvania, the premier place to breed and race. What makes Woodford special is the attention to detail. Everyone on the team is doing their job. They're well-qualified. They show up to work and they work hard and they care about the horse. And I think that's a reflection on uh, John Gleason's program. He gives me good information. He always uh, uh, he has a very good understanding of the horse's well-being, where they're at physically and mentally.
3: In equine nutrition there's a triangle,
2: management, genetics, and nutrition. And John's criteria to accomplish
3: that is at the highest pinnacle.
2: I started breaking quarter horses for people when I was 15. You know, people send me quarter horses to break. That's all I've done. You know, I don't hunt, I don't fish. I focus on training horses. I think about training horses. on eating dinner, laying in bed before you go to sleep. And if you roll over in the middle of the night, I think about a horse. And it's, you know, it's all consuming. And I think to be successful, it has to be.
3: The TDN Writer's Room is brought to you by Woodford Thoroughbreds, a 1,000-acre world-class facility in Reddick, Florida. Breeding and selling their own stock, as well as offering breaking and training services to outside clients. Discover the Woodford Edge. Over the weekend, Sunday Shoes became the fifth Woodford bred horse to become a black-type winner when she won the Serena song Stakes at Turfway on Saturday. The Wesley Ward trainee was a $500,000 Keeneland September yearling and is now two for two in her racing career.
2: The Fastest Horse of the Week is presented by the Fast Stallions at Windstar Farms, such as this week's featured stallion who has a pedigree. That is all the rage right now. More on that in a minute. The Fastest Horse of the Week, Straight No Chaser, shipped from Santa Anita to Oakland one hundred twenty-five thousand dollar allowance race saturday that he dominated by seven and a quarter lengths six furlongs 109.05 a buyer speed figure 101 the four-year-old son of spikester is owned by my racehorse trained by dan blacker previously at santa anita he had made a run at taba at the quarter pole of the malibu and then finished third in the palos verdes he is a promising colt and straight no chaser is the fastest horse Of the week. And by the way, Straight No Chaser is also out of Margarita Friday and a half to hangover Saturday and sober on Sunday. Now, it's yo time. The Windstar Stallion of the Week, Yoshida. Way back in 2015, Windstar's Elliot Walden went to Japan on a mission to bring Sunday Silence Blood back to America. He returned with Yoshida. The son of Heart's Cry, grandson of Sunday Silence, who went on to the US to win grade ones on dirt and turf, paid two and a half million dollars with five triple digit buyers and oh yeah, he beat horse of the year bricks and mortar twice. Now, Yoshida's first two-year-olds are led by a $180,000 filly who breezed 10 flat at OBS. You can get in on that Sunday Silence blood that's dominating internationally. It's yo time. Yoshida stands for just $10,000 at Winston. The Green Group is an accounting and tax consulting advisory firm specializing in the thoroughbred industry with over 500 clients in the horse business and proven strategies to save you on your taxes. Learn more about how the Green Group can help you at www.greenco.com.
1: Here's our first repeat Green Group guest of the week for 2023, which shows you how caught Brad Cox has been. We talked to him earlier in the year, have to have him back on again especially after the Arkansas Derby or Angel of Empire was a very impressive win, giving the Brad Cox Stable another big feather in its cap on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Brad, welcome. I'm going to try to break some news here first. Angel of Empire, terrific race, ridden by Flavian Pratt. Flavian Pratt wins the Louisiana Derby for Todd Pletcher. He's got a dilemma. Have you heard from his agent? What's the deal (laughs) for the Kentucky Derby?
4: I know he's riding a horse in California um, this weekend that he likes a good bit. So, you know, listen, I spoke with his agent yesterday. Um, Basically, you know, we'll get get through this weekend's round of preps. And, um, you know, probably after Easter, come Monday, we'll probably have to sort some things out and uh, start getting, you know, getting the huddle and figure out some game plans in regards to the jockey situation um, for the
2: Derby. Wasn't it Brad Cox, who was quoted recently as saying that what's something like uh, you've never not been able to find a jockey to ride one of your horses or something like that?
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dave grinning. Uh, we we had a conversation. So, uh, yeah, no, listen, there's going to be a lot of, you know, I think I think, uh, you know, once again, I mean, there's some these top guys, you know, the owners, trainers want them on their horses and Flavian's. Obviously, ha- had success uh, in, in the last few derby preps, 100-point races. And, uh, you know, it, ultimately, like, he's going to be the guy that makes the decision, not me. I can't twist his arm. But,
2: uh, you know, we'll see how things work out after this weekend. That was Go Rocket Ride you were referring to that he's riding in the San Anita Derby Saturday for mm-hmm. Richard Mandela. So back to the uh, back to the Arkansas Derby. Uh, Angel of Empire took a big step forward from the Smarty Jones, the second-place finish, to the Risen Star at a mile and an eighth then another big step forward really in the numbers and visually into the Arkansas Derby. Uh, How encouraged are you by his forward development and by the distance capability now with a mile and a quarter of the Kentucky Derby coming up? I
4: think he's capable of uh, winning the race. I mean, I think he showed that on Saturday. I think, um, you know, I, I think based off figures, it was a little bit of a question mark, but I think he answered a lot of questions and he stepped up big time on Saturday. And honestly, I saw him Sunday morning. He looked good. Um, I left Oakland on Sunday and I saw him this morning at Churchill. He arrived early. We got him out of break time. Daylight went over him really, really well. And I love the way he pranced up the road or trotted up the road, I should say, and uh, how he physically looks. So um, I feel pretty confident that we're going to see um you know, listen, we got a lot of work to do. We, we've we got three works, but I'm very excited about w- what he was able to accomplish on Saturday. And I do think he does need to take another step forward based off figures. Um, I think it's ca- he's capable of doing it. He'll, he'll let us know in a few weeks, but um, I'm happy with what I saw physically from him out of the race.
3: Brad, the thing that I loved about his run was his final eighth of the mile. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the fastest of any prep thus far, and I think his last race was the second fastest. Fastest. How encouraged are you by that, especially after watching how the Florida Derby took place and the last eighth of a mile there between Mage and Forte?
4: Two totally different racetracks. I don't know if you can really compare them. Um, obviously, Forte is a champion and, and is the deserving favorite in the Kentucky Derby and has done nothing wrong. So, listen, I, we, we have to somehow close the gap. Uh, we have to get better. And we may have to have Forte stump his toe in order to beat him. But uh, twenty horse field, <laughs> there, there's it's it's um it's a demanding, challenging race. Bottom line, and if you make the field, that's why you go. So many things can happen. We saw that last year. Um, you know, mind that bird was an example of you know long shots winning the race. They may not necessarily be the best horse, but they have the trip or they have the racing, so called racing luck on that day. So um, you know, look. Very happy with where this horse is, and I don't really think you can compare those races just based off the configuration of the track and the layout.
1: Brad, he's a $70,000 yearling. Two of his first three starts were at Indiana Grand. Do you look back at him now and consider him an overachiever?
4: Uh, Yes, and not because I started him in Indiana. He was a Pennsylvania bred, Um, and at that time we were running at Ellis Park, and he he missed out on a good bit of money not being a Kentucky bred. So we do that. We'll ship these horses to Indiana sometimes if – you know, it's close to home. Um, but, you know, we, we liked him a lot first time out. I was at Saratoga the day one and expected him to run well, and he did. Um, and, you know, honestly, I'd be the first to admit, I made a mistake with this horse. I entered him in a race at Parks. There It was, a I think, a seven-eighths of a mile. Um, it, it was a stallion PA bred race. Well, I didn't realize it was a stallion race. I actually entered the horse parks took the entry and called me an hour later and said, Hey, this horse can't run. He's, he's, um, he's not a stout, um, you know, by Pennsylvania accredited sire. And, um, I was like, Oh, well, I, I didn't read that. I didn't realize that. So I was like, man, he's ready to run. I've got him, you know, ready to go. So I was like, you know, look, Kentucky downs has this race for horses that were sold at Keeneland 250,000. I was like, I don't know if you like the turf, but 250,000 reasons to try. Um, took a shot, he hated it, Um, and uh, got him back on
2: the dirt, and obviously he's performed very well. So a lot of people have mentioned in the past, Brad, about how the Arkansas Derby in some aspects is a nice dress rehearsal for the Kentucky Derby. Oftentimes it's the biggest crowd a a three-year-old has run before to that point. Mm -hmm. Breeders' Cup maybe can have a lot of people as well, but oakland has got people in the infield. When you saddle in the infield, it can be a little unnerving to some horses. Uh, how do you feel about that? Angel of Empire having gone through that and then run so well as he gets ready to head to, uh, to a zoo in Louisville.
4: It, it only gives you confidence moving forward. Obviously, we'll school him Derby week a time or two, but um, it does give you confidence. And I said to Jason uh, Looch from you know, All Ball Family Racing, i I told him in the paddock, I said, this is the type of horse right here that will handle the Kentucky Derby. He just stands there, you know, to be saddled. He walked out onto the grass once we saddle, and we took, um, you know, his halter and shank off. And, you know, he presented himself really well. He was on his toes, but he wasn't getting hot. He was feeling good. Um, He continued to do that once he got to the pony, uh, but not over the top. So, um, you know, I think he's the type of horse that can definitely handle the crowd and the atmosphere.
3: Let's talk about Wet Paint. She's undefeated mm. on dirt. How she handled things, how her progression has been, and does she give you a heart attack when she's running? Because she is super so <laughs> black; you can't even see her.
4: Yeah, she she's um, you know, she really had. It's funny because we started her on the grass, and we liked her first time, and then we run her in Indiana in her second start in the, on the mud. It, well, it ended up being muddy, but. um yeah, I mean, she came from nowhere that day at Indiana. She just doesn't have any early speed, and it's her and um, Flavian come back the other day. So, and he's obviously rode her in her last three starts, but he came back the other day. Said so she has a turn of foot like a grass horse. I said, well, <laughs> that's where we tried it. We tried. We tried the turf, and obviously, uh, but she she does have a tremendous turn of foot. I did feel very very confident that she would handle a fast track just based off how her works of. Actually gotten better at Oakland throughout the winter. Um, her first work back from uh, uh, the Martha Washington, it was okay. It was by herself. It was actually like a half and 52, and I was like, oh, wow. Brought her back, breezed her the next week. She breezed lights out, and her three works leading up, or maybe it's two leading up to the, um, the fantasy this weekend were really, really good. So we had confidence that she would handle a dry track.
1: Brad, now that we're on to the subject of your three-year-old fillies, why don't we touch uh, briefly upon two others that are coming up in major races? You have Punchbowl Friday in the Ashland Stakes at Keeneland. I've heard that you were very high on her, even though she's lightly raced. And I also want to ask you about Botanical, who has also looked terrific. But uh, the question is, is she just a synthetic surface horse? Your your take on both those two. Uh,
4: Punchbowl, very talented filly. We are throwing a lot at her short period of time. Um, I ran her back quick off, breaking her maiden. She did come from off the pace to break her maiden, so it gave me a little bit more confidence or made me think, you know, maybe it didn't take as much out of her once we stretched her. Her last race, um, you know, listen, she kind of got pressed the whole way, uh, but she responded well, galloped out well, um, thought it was a solid group of fillies. Um, and her three works since have been very, very good. We just shipped her to to keeneland she settled in fine so i'm optimistic that you know with a good trip she'll be you know hopefully a great one winner after friday we'll see how it goes so but once again we are throwing a lot at her in a short period of time but she's taking it uh botanical um look she worked pretty well on the um on the dirt last summer and fall leading up to her debut um she obviously had some six well she was second at keeneland on the turf and then um you know ran it had a great winter bottom line at um Turfway. uh to answer your question i'll probably know more in a couple weeks she is at churchill she is training she handles the dirt great you know the mornings on, in her gallops but you know we'll, we're going to start doing a little bit more she's going to have her first work is scheduled for friday as long as the weather um is as long as the weather holds off but you know we'll know more in a couple weeks i think we'll
2: get a pretty good line on if she's going to transfer over
4: to the dirt based off her works there at churchill
2: and then also this weekend, Brad, we've got the Wood Memorial at Aqueduct and the Bluegrass, obviously at Keeneland. I uh, haven't seen the entries yet, but you were expected to run Hit Show and Slip Mahoney uh, in the Wood. Mm-hmm. Is that still on target yes. there? Okay, let's, yes. let's let's talk about those two first. Hit Show coming off a five and a half length win in the in the Withers, uh, but when you see rankings and when you hear people talking about the best, the very best three year olds in the country. You don't hear his name come up that often. Is he maybe not getting the credit he deserves, in your opinion?
4: Well, I, I don't know. Um, I, well, we'll find out Saturday, bottom line. Um, I'm hopeful they'll be talking about him after Saturday, and I think they will. He's a good colt. He really is. He's proven at a mile and an eighth already. He's proven at Aqueduct. Um, you know, the West, we're good with going back up there. Uh, we brought him back down to the fairgrounds to train, to have all of our options um, in play. In regards to the Louisiana Derby, Arkansas Derby, even the Bluegrass, I actually sent him up to Keeneland. I sent him with verifying. It was kind of a midway point for him. He stayed there a few days. He breezed. He looked great, phenomenal out of the work, and uh, we put him on a van Monday morning, and he settled in at Belmont. So um, he's been through this before in regards to the whole being at Belmont, shipping over to Aqueduct.
2: He handled it well. He's a smart horse, and I think I think yeah, I think he's a very good colt. And what did you make of Slip Mahoney's? interesting trip last time out in the Gotham. Yeah, he's
4: obviously got to get out of the gate. And it will be his first run around two turns, and I do think he's going to be better around two turns. So I expect him to move forward as well. So I, I really like our hand we have uh, going into the wood, both horses.
3: Talk to us about the bluegrass, and give me some winners this weekend. I'm looking to bet some, <laughs> some winners at Keeneland. Come uh,
4: on, Brad. I'm, a, I'm hoping Verifying is one of them. I mean, he's, he's you know... He's a good cold. He really is. Um, He he ran big in his three-year-old debut at Oakland. I thought his last race, um, you know, he was was, – he just kind of lost a little position, I think, from the three-eighths to the quarter pole. I thought he was set in a good spot. It's just like he just didn't really go forward there in in a key part of the race. And he went from laying third or fourth and ended up like – eighth at the eighth pole and I was like wow he's retreating and then he kind of re-rallied and got going again so a little bit of an odd trip I don't really know what to make of it I'm, I'm hoping that he's he's better than that and 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 he'll get a little better trip or you know maybe stay a little more focused or involved I don't, I don't really know what to make of that rebel trip I know he's training well he he worked with hit show on Friday morning at Keeneland uh, they work very very well together so I expect him to run big
1: so, Brad, if things fall right for you, you could win two grade ones in two days at Keeneland and the Ashland and the Bluegrass. Just in general, you know, what does Keeneland mean to you? How much you prioritize that meet? I mean, clearly it, it's in the same breath as Saratoga now is one of the great meets in U.S. racing.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, obviously I'm from Kentucky. It means a tremendous amount to me. Um, we, we try to come out and with, with some of our better horses and, and we point for the meet. Um, but it, it is um, it's it's. You know, it really, you know, listen. Turfway's really gotten good in the winter, but I mean, it's almost like it's the start of the the, the spring, basically, uh, for racing. It really kicks off the spring. I mean, obviously, you've got um, Chad and Todd play huge roles in that meet. They're two of the best there are, and they bring their best for that meet as well, along with Saratoga, like you said. So, um, the spring and fall meet are extremely tough to win at, and we we tr- we definitely try to be competitive in one of
2: the players there for sure so to summarize here with your three-year-olds you've got uh, you've got angel of empire and jace's road that already have uh, certainly angel of empire but also jace's row really already have enough points you would think for jace's road to secure a spot in the derby you're looking for points for verifying and more for hit show and slip mahoney instant coffee right now is number 22 on the list before the final round of preps so it looks like, unless we see some dropouts, from a points perspective, uh, 32 points that he has might not be enough to get him into the Derby field. Are you tempted at all maybe to bring him back into Lexington or something like that? I don't,
4: I, I don't think so. I, I, don't, I don't think we'll bring him back into Lexington. I think we would just take our time with him, maybe train him up to the Derby, kind of see how it goes, and, and hopefully have a little bit of an idea a couple weeks leading up to it or a week week out, maybe if we'd have, have a shot of getting in. getting in. Um, you know, listen, there's other great races, the Peter Pan's, um, you know, listen, it's not the Kentucky Derby, but there are other options. Uh, there's the Peter Pan the week after the Derby, and then there's also the Preakness just two weeks later. So, um, you know, we're, we're still trying to develop the horse. Um, it is unfortunate. I feel like a horse that's accomplished as much as he has with winning the race at Churchill and the LeCompte, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, it almost makes you get to the point where you want to start waiting with these horses a little bit more. But, you know, listen, he's on the outside looking in. I mean, there's obviously the, the longer the, the derby road goes, uh, the the, uh, the point races become more valuable. So I don't know. Uh, you know, they tinkered with it a little bit. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, like some of these horses picking up 20 points for running fourth in some of these preps. I'm not certain that's the right thing to do. But, you know, listen, it, it all plays itself out plays it plays
3: out uh brian can we expect you to see you run in any two-year-old races at keeneland or are you
4: no <laughs> no no we we I, I told someone the other day i've only run one two-year-old going four and a half at keeneland um she was a good third um but yeah it it's it's not really our thing we don't really get them cranked up that early but we we do have two-year-olds that are breezing already but not quite ready to
1: well, some great insights from Brad Cox. He's got a busy weekend coming up with the Wood Memorial, the Bluegrass, also the Ashland on Friday at Keeneland. Brad, thanks so much for your time and continued success on the roads of the Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks. Thanks for having me on.
2: As our first repeat guest of the week, Brad Cox, will receive another free one-hour tax consultation from the Green Group, an accounting and tax consulting advisory firm specializing in the thoroughbred industry. They'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.greenco.com.
0: Are you paying too much in taxes? The Green Group can help. There's a reason the most successful owners, breeders, and horsemen select the Green Group as their tax advisors. They save you money and share successful strategies over the past 40 years the green group founder len green has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport like eclipse award-winning champions jaywalk and wonder wheel his dj stable competes at the highest level and has received the game's most prestigious honors Len Green's in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies has produced positive results for his clientele and has made The Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the thoroughbred business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732-634-5100 or visit our website at www.greenco.com. The Green Group, proven strategies to save you taxes. With some of the fullest fields in the country and quality racing year
2: round, there's never been a better time to reap the rewards of breeding and racing in Kentucky. Purse money in Kentucky is at an all time
4: high, as is average purse per race, outpacing California, Florida, and New York. Kentucky breads. Breed them, raise them,
2: race them. We all win. The at Riders Room is brought to you by the Kentucky Thoroughbred Owners and Breeders. Florida Derby winners are bred in Kentucky. Forte, Kentucky bred 2022 champion two-year-old Colt obviously solidified his position as the Derby favorite with that win in the Florida Derby. He's topping the road to the Kentucky Derby leaderboard. A Kentucky bred forte does it again. Kentucky breds breed them, raise them, race them. We all win.
1: Well, it's the last round of Kentucky Derby preps coming up this week. The major ones. We still have the Lexington a little bit later, but we have the Bluegrass, the Santa Anita Derby, and the Wood Memorial. All right, Manny Moss, what time on NBC and what channel? It is NBC. Come on, I warned you. You're right. Last week, I had the
2: channel. I was ready for the channel. I wasn't ready for the time, Bill. You threw another curveball at me. It's a two-hour show. We're showing the Shaker Town from Keeneland, right? The five-five uh, five and a half for a long sprint as well as the Bluegrass and the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, uh, time, TBD, I'll get back to you on that one.
3: OK.
1: Um, <laughs> can't say I didn't warn you, Randy. Uh, but anyways, um, some very interesting races, some interesting horses. Um, the horse that we can um, you know, look at the overall picture or look at each individual race, however you guys want to do it. Um, I think the horse that I'm most interested in this weekend is Tapit Trice. In the bluegrass i mean obviously practical move in the san Anita derby uh is you know a, a solid favorite there he's been doing everything right for tim back but going back to his tampa bay derby you know that was a race where just like again like forte in the florida derby didn't really know exactly what to make out of it and i want to see him i need to see him put in a big race in the bluegrass move forward and look like he's coming into the kentucky derby the right way like he is improving. And is going to be a, a top horse in there. If he runs his A race in there, um, he probably should win. His, what do you do with Blazing Sevens, though? Wins the Champagne for Chad Brown last year and runs just awful in the Fountain of Youth in his three-year-old uh, debut. Not like Chad to bring these horses back off terrible races like that without a long layoff, but he is bringing them back. So, um, and the Wind Memorial is, you know, kind of a race that has is it. Unfortunately, it's kind of deserves its second. Grade two status. Um, there hasn't been a Kentucky Derby winner to come out of the race since Funny Side, 2003. The last winner of the Wood Memorial to win the Kentucky Derby you have to go all the way back to fusaichi Pegasus in 2000. So um, I think of the three races, uh, that's the one that probably will have the less impact on the Derby. Though Hit Show for Brad Cox looks pretty tough in there. But uh, your overview this of this weekend, Randy.
2: Yeah, the Bluegrass, there's a lot of storylines in here from just a handicapping and a race perspective that I'm interested in. Can Tapitrice show a little bit more maturity than he did in the Tampa Bay Derby where he had to be really ridden and look like he was going nowhere until suddenly deciding to run at the quarter pole and looking really good coming from home? Is he going to be more professional? Was Verifying's bad race uh, in the Rebel due to a sloppy racetrack? Is he going to bounce back and run to that earlier form? What happened to Blazing Sevens? I uh, Brad Cox, or excuse me, uh, Chad Brown, Says he didn't like the track at Gulfstream Park. He was being 26 lengths, but he's giving him another chance here. His raised cane. I mean, you know, what do you make of his Gotham? Uh, looked visually very good, but, you know, it was a, a horribly muddy racetrack, and it played toward horses that, that came from behind. Uh, we'll see about him. In the wood, I, there's been not only no winner since Funnyside, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think there's been a second or third place finisher in the Kentucky Derby coming out of the wood memorial since 2003 it's 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 in a horrible slump and you know maybe hit show is good enough to take a step forward to me he's the solid favorite on paper uh with Red cox's other horse slip mahoney right behind him uh i'll be interested to see uh if they can take a step forward zoe
3: yeah it's going to be a 12 horse field so it'll be a good race to watch i'm not sure we're going to see the derby winner come out of the Wood Memorial, Um, Shadow Dragon, to me, could be interesting. I mean, you could literally, in my opinion, throw a dart at the Wood Memorial and you could get the winner. It'll be a very good betting race for those of you wanting to bet on it. As far as the Santa Anita Derby, uh, I think that's going to be a terrific race. We're going to see Practical Move coming in there. We see Go Rocket Ride coming in there, and there are several others. I mean, if you could just pick the winner right now without it being Practical Move, who are you going for? All
1: right. Does anybody give the Japanese horse, Mandarin Hero, a chance, considering no. what these Japanese horses have been doing? Now, my I don't know much about Japanese racing. My understanding is he hasn't really been performing on the A circuit. Correct. He's more, more uh, of the B circuit type horse. That would be, lead me to believe that he's in over his head. Randy, you were nodding about that.
2: Yeah, the A circuit tracks are the JRA tracks, the Japanese Racing Association. The B circuit tracks is the NAR circuit, National Association of Racing. Um, and if you go back and you watch the video, like I did, of Mandarin Hero's recent races, uh, it, yeah, he looked okay. Uh, but if this Japanese horse kicks butt in the Santa Anita Derby, then I, I, I can tell you one guy that's going to be all over Dermis Sotogake when we get to Kentucky. <laughs> I promise you that. So um, to answer your question, Go Rocket Ride would be the horse, I think, if practical move, if you, if you would cross practical move off the list.
3: Okay, so you've got Go Rocket Ride. You've got National Treasure. Looks like he's most likely going to run. Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Uh, Skinner. Nobody likes Skinner? I mean, he's a rapidly improving sort going in there. I mean, can he clunk along for a piece of it?
1: He could do that, but can he be practical move? I think that's the other story. I mean, I didn't see enough out of him to think he's going to make up that difference in the uh, between the San Felipe and the San Diego Derby, but an interesting horse. And to correct
2: the record on the Wood Memorial, right, since Funnyside uh, won the Derby in 2003, the Wood Memorial has produced 40 horses that have gone on to run in the Kentucky Derby. No firsts, no seconds. One-third, Tacitus was moved up by DQ, and maximum security was taken down. Tacitus was moved up from fourth to third in 2019, and that's the only horse that's finished one, two, three, in the last 18 runnings of the Wood Memorial uh, coming into the Kentucky Derby. That's my file, Zoe. All, all yeah. paper. You love this, I know.
3: Yeah, yeah, you're giving me a headache right there. The <laughs> so we got Faisa coming in there. She's four for four. Tell me no lies. Clearly unhinged for me coming in for Michael McCarthy is the one that nobody's talking about. Watching her work. I watched her school the other day. She's, oh God, she is beautiful. She's in there, Princess Bettina. Window Shopping just broke her maiden by 12 for Dick Mandela. Vanagaza, who won a two-horse race, she might be in there as well. It That's actually shaping up to be a really good race.
1: Well, Zoe was talking about the San Oaks. Let's talk about the Ashland on Friday. Entries have been drawn for that, so we know the field. To me, the story is Wonder Wheel. Is she going to bounce back and be the old Wonder Wheel of last year? We'll have to find out. Um, but th- it's a very uh, interesting race. Julia Shining. Uh, who ran in that same race, the Sunco Stakes, and was just just okay. And then Punch Bowl, who Brad Cox has, uh, that looks like she's an up and comer. I would think that if, uh, especially if Wonder Wheel runs a big race and looks like the Wonder Wheel of last year, that would vault her over wet paint, I would think, to be the Kentucky Oaks favorite. But it would take nothing less than that, as, as wet paint is, is looking very solid right now. But uh, all eyes will be on the Ashland Friday at Keeneland.
2: Punch Bowl for me. I think I good loved Punch paint. Bowl's last year for Oakland Park. I you know, I, Cox has already got wet paint, but I think Punch Bowl might be as good as wet paint. We'll see in the Ashland. But uh, you know, Julia Shining, Pride of the Nile coming in from California, Wonder Wheel. I still think Punch Bowl and Flavian Pratt's the worst to beat, my opinion.
3: I'll I'll take Julia Shining and get top back on the show next week. <laughs> 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 The TDN Rice's Room is brought to you by XBTV. And guys, how about an XBTV workout of the week? And it's almost like five or six for the price of one as we pick up practical moves seen working here. Now, he's on the inside with the blue pad with the white trim. And he actually sets off with no horses around him and is quickly taken over by one laver there in the red cap. Riding one for John Sadler, another one of John Sadler's. And I think that's a Mark Glatt on the outside. Can you just imagine what Tim Yakteen is thinking right about now, Randy?
1: Yeah,
2: there are. And there's going to be another horse horse that joins him in the stretch as well. There are races that fill at Santa Anita with fewer (laughs) horses than this. So this was supposed to be, correct me if I'm wrong, Zoe, this was supposed to be a solo workout by Practical Move. No company.
3: Yeah, absolutely. A solo workout. He set off on his own and the pair of saddlers came up behind him. And I think they were all going five furlongs. And what you're seeing here is pretty much a carbon copy of what happened in the in the prep leading up to the Santa Anita Derby. Sitting in the pocket, I will see he's a bit more relaxed than he was in the race.
2: There's six horses there. So I guess what yeah. people want to know, if they're handicapping the race, does this matter? Is it good? Is it, it bad?
3: Know. What do you I, think? It's not what Tim Yakteen wanted specifically, but you can see he's still in hand. And if you watch this work in its entirety, all the way to the seven-eighths pole, he gallops out in front of each and every horse, which I think is key. Don't just chop the work off at the end. Watch the gallop out all the way around, and he does tag the horses at the end of the work. Not exactly what Tim Yakteen was expecting, but nonetheless, I thought that was a good work. He's not a flashy worker in the morning practical move. So while it's not ideal, that's good enough for me.
0: All the thrills. Fraction of the bills. Experience the power of the partnership. Change your life, make new friends, and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing. West Point Thoroughbreds, the gold standard in racing partnerships. Visit westpointtv.com.
3: Would you like to become a West Point partner and do some good at the same time? West Point has generously donated a 2% share in the unraced 2-year-old Lady Bonher to help raise money for Habitat for Humanity's Veterans Build program. The program helps injured veterans stay in their own homes by making critical home repairs adapting homes to their needs and maintaining them so they can live with dignity. Lady Bonheur is a daughter of Munnings and will race on the New York and Florida circuit for trainer Christophe Clement. As a 2% owner, you will receive no future bills and will be a part owner for the entirety of her racing career. The package is worth just under $4,000 and a silent auction will take place on April the 29th. To register a bid, Email Sue Finley at the TDN.com.
1: This week's Remy Block cartoon runs every Friday, and the TDN is in. It's kind of a different wrinkle on Harrowing the Track. Take a look at it. It's very interesting. All right, so that's a wrap on this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Want to thank our Green Group guest of the week, Brad Cox, my co-host Zoe Caban and Randy Moss, and also our producer Katie Petruniak. She's our assistant producer. Ah, uh, there's there's uh, Lucy. Yeah. I was going to get to Lucy. I was going to uh, thank her. Our producer,
2: Mean Bill, <laughs> Bill, wondered if you were actually alive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Lucy oh, yeah, tells, I tells me by to see by
2: you around, Lucy. Yeah. Um, Lucy. Lucy tells her it's four to six for NBC, by the way. All
1: right, four to six on NBC. Uh, And last but not least, our editors, Anthony LaRocca, Leo LaRocca, and Nathan Wilkinson. Once again, that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be back next week on the TDN Writers Room Podcast.